Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. We are actually broadcasting live from Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you. And in this episode, Lee, this is going to be a fantastic show. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast founder and CEO with Ocean Pay, Mr. Jonathan Pender. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, Jonathan, before we get too far into things, uh, tell us about Ocean Pay. How are you serving folks? Absolutely. So Ocean Pay is a new way to bring payments to the Bahamas, and we're focused on three very important aspects, um, lowering costs and barriers for accepting payments, um, making it inclusive and secure, but most importantly, lowering, lowering the barriers for small businesses to accept non-cash forms of payment. So now how is it done now? Um, there are a few, I mean, non-cash payments are used in the Bahamas, mostly via card, but for a lot of small businesses, they aren't able to accept those non-cash forms of payment, but we're really pushing to push inclusivity of payments within the Bahamas. So there's not MasterCard and Visa? Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir, there is. So there are, but then that's harder for small business people to get. Absolutely. Uh, Because, I mean, the barriers to entry, um, you know, they have to get the point-of-sale machines. They have to get set up with those merchant accounts. Like, there's a whole process, but we're really trying to get every single small business onto the digital ecosystem in the Bahamas. So now, so how does OceanPay work for that um, kind of the shop owner or something in the Bahamas? Absolutely. So very interestingly, in the Bahamas, we have about 98% mobile penetration, which everybody having like using some... some smartphone of some kind. Yeah, smartphone of some kind. Um, And like data is very popular in the Bahamas. Most people use it. So the fact that consumers and business owners have that, we're really trying to get a solution where we can use QR code payments to include every... Bahamian consumer and merchant in the digital payment space. So then how does the consumer is, how does it work? So then do I have to, is it tied to my bank? How does, how does the funds get transferred? So when the way we'd like to do it is to integrate with the bank. So existing financial infrastructure, but just making it much more seamless for consumers and the merchants to use it. So now is this primarily for uh, somebody from the Bahamas to buy something from somebody from the Bahamas or would it work for like somebody from a different country that's a tourist that's coming into the Bahamas? That's a great question. So the Bahamas, the majority of the revenue comes from tourism, which is our number one industry. So mm-hmm. that's definitely the focus. So we'd like to have, whether you come on a cruise ship or you come on a plane, we'd like for you to be able to do that. But what it's really going to do is it's going to include those smaller businesses into the ecosystem. So a lot of people that come to visit the Bahamas, especially when they go in like the downtown area, other areas, they have to use cash to pay some of the vendors. We'd like to make it so that a lot of those vendors can now accept non-cash forms of payment very easily and kind of meet uh, all of our visitors where they prefer to pay, whether it's like with card or in our case with a mobile application. Okay, so play it out for me. I come on a cruise ship. And then so, oh, I have to have, I download, is there an app, the Ocean Pay app? Or? Ab- absolutely. So it hasn't launched yet, but we do have an Ocean Pay app. You integrate it with whichever bank you have. And as soon as you get into, get off your cruise ship, you can then start spending with all the visitors. I mean, every merchant in the downtown area or across the Bahamas. But it also helps local consumers like us. Well, me, when I go home and visit, um, So a big part of this issue came from a frustration that I had when I go home. I'm forced to carry around uh, 
debit card or credit card as well as cash because you don't know which merchants are going to accept which. So it's like hopefully you have enough money depending on whatever they accept. So it's kind of meeting that for local consumers, but also when visitors come, we don't want them to have to take out cash when they want to pay for pay merchants for services. So now um, you're here, a student at Georgia State. Yes, sir. You were alumni. You're a student. Oh, a student. Yes, sir. Uh, Senior year studying computer science. And then, so you had this idea, and then what made you say, you know what, I'm going to solve this, and I'm going to figure out how to, to come up with a solution? That's a great question. I think it comes from a place of frustration and privilege. So frustration being when I go home, sometimes even when I go to the bank, I still sit in long lines. Um, when it's time to pay, deciding whether I'm going to carry cash or card, hoping that I have the right amount. And then I think the privilege of when I came to study in the U.S. at Georgia State I can probably count on one finger the amount of times I've went into a bank or the amount of times when I've pulled cash to pay people, whether it's, you know, cash app using um, other forms of payment like Apple Pay, um, you know, cash isn't there anymore. So I'd say definitely frustration as well as uh, privilege. And I think that that's something that can be implemented in the Bahamas. So then you were going to school here and then you're like, hey, there might be a mobile solution or I can I'll develop a solution that's going to solve this problem. Absolutely. So, because you found there wasn't a solution there right now. Right now, no. I mean, but you know, you can use debit cards, but uh, or credit cards, but not every merchant is able to do it. And I think our focus right now is specifically on the smaller businesses that don't have that capability. Um, and I think the timing is right. Um, the government is making significant investments in the small business space to ensure that you know those businesses can get up. And you know, there are a lot of different developments where there are, a lot, there are more tourists coming into the Bahamas. People are now getting tired of using cash. And there's a big push for payments, even from regulators like uh, the central bank. So the timing is right. And I think it's a good time to push for it. Now, in order to pull this off, what do you need? Do you have to get permission from the government or for the banking institutions to kind of bless this to say, okay, we're going to Absolutely. Um, so definitely partnering with financial institutions is a big part of it. Um, the Bahamas is very uh, regulated in terms of like financial um, instruments. Um, the central bank is like the main regulator, so they would also have to bless this and regulate it and just getting consumers on board and merchants. And I think, you know, that's a part of the fun of implementing it. So now what stage are you at right now? Um Pushing, moving from ideation into prototype. So we're looking for uh, financial institutions to partner with. Um, so this December, by the end of this year, we're looking to have like one serious partner that we can work with. And then by early 2020, uh, put in our application to be regulated. Now, are you the, uh, are there other people on your company right now or is it just you? Absolutely. Um, I definitely say like there are some advisors. So there's a faculty advisor in the ENI who's been very, very um, involved with the project. And then um, a catalyst at ATDC who's been kind of helping me go through the process, guiding me, and as well as some other partners in the U.S. So now how has Georgia State helped you? Very great question. So comes from many different areas. Um, I definitely say for classes, um, my professors have allowed me to kind of tailor the projects that I do, especially in the computer science department, to what I'm Solve working to, on. So that you're doing work that helped you learn, but uh, also it's relevant to your work as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So they've given me the flexibility there. And then uh, the launch of the Georgia FinTech Academy here at Georgia State, I took one of the introductory intro to FinTech classes um, with Dr. Yang, which was a great class. Um, 
finance isn't my major, but they allowed me to enroll in that. And then I definitely say the ENI has been very active in supporting me and ensuring that I'm able to make progress, meaningful progress. Now, is this your first entrepreneurial venture? Uh, it's not. Um, I definitely say that this definitely started in high school when I launched my first business. Um, a lot of people prefer to buy, whether it's like shoes, clothes from the U.S., bring them into the Bahamas to wear. And I was kind of like the, the middleman in between that. Whatever they wanted, whether it was like a new pair of shoes, Jordans, I would get those in. And that was my first take on like, oh, this business stuff is interesting. And I think my first biggest frustration came from being able to pay with cash, uh, I mean, sorry, pay with my card to like buy things in from the U.S. And then I was like, well, why can't I use this everywhere in the Bahamas? This is amazing. Right. And that's where definitely the frustration and privilege definitely. Now, what was the uh, reason that you got involved in computer sciences? Well, when I initially came to school, I love math. Um, math has always been like my thing, but I was like, eh, should I study math? I'm not sure. Really love finance. I was like, eh, should I study finance? And I, I think I always go for the, the thing that's uncomfortable. I'd never taken a computer science course before. So I said, I don't know, why not computer science? Let's see how bad it could be. And um, it's been a pretty good journey so far. So now your vision of this is to really serve the people of the Bahamas because that's where you're from, right? Absolutely. But it, there, it goes beyond it, the it Bahamas, ab- right? It absolutely does. I mean, if the model does work there, we can expand uh, into the Caribbean if it really works well, um, there's a possible opportunity to uh, start up in the U.S. as well. So um, right now, what do you need more of? Is this self-funded or do you have investors? Uh, self, self-funded at this point. Um, but, you know, as time comes and the need for investors comes, we'll, we'll definitely be reaching out. Now, what about working with the, uh, the government in the Bahamas? Is that, do you have connections there? Do you, are you able to kind of make inroads to get them on board? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the different government agencies in the Bahamas have been very receptive. I mean, the data is definitely available on like businesses over there. Um, certain people in, uh, I don't know, like the central bank, I've been able to reach out to them. They've been very receptive. Um, so they're I open talk- to having these kind of conversations with somebody that's from the Bahamas that wants to kind of solve a problem. Absolutely. I mean, uh, all of everyone's been very receptive so far. Um, but yeah, just as long as you reach out, you've done your prior research, they've, they're very happy to, to talk to you. Now, uh, how is your family in this journey? Are they supportive? Absolutely supportive. Um, my parents definitely say finish school, get that degree, do the best you can. But um, they also see the need for the solution and, and they're very supportive in what I'm doing. So now, is there a, an app? Are you working on an app? Like, what what stage are you at? Yeah, uh, working on the applicate uh, on the app right now, and also um, ensuring that we have the data when it comes time to look at investors, or also like pitch it to financial institutions. This is exactly what we have. This is the data in the Bahamas that we have. This is the solution we have, and just get those conversations started before the end of the year. So that's the goal before the end of the year is the kind of a milestone point um, for you. Yeah, for, to, to get those partnerships and get everything really moving. And then by, I'd say, mid-2020, start at least a beta test mm-hmm. down in the Bahamas. And then you're leveraging ENI. You mentioned ATDC. You're kind of plugging into the Atlanta startup ecosystem to kind of get as many resources as you can. Absolutely. I mean, there's a wealth of knowledge in the school. Um, 
ENI, um, ATDC, there are a lot of great the people FinTech there. Academy, all the these Georgia places, FinTech ATD, Academy. Right. But also a really big resource that a lot of people don't think about is like the GSU library. I mean, there's literally <laughs> everything you can want to research is up there. And I just think that um, also just reading everything that I could get my hands on, um, I buy every, I don't know, IMF survey on like FinTech, CBS Insights, whatever it is. I just consume as much information as I can. I I don't believe I don't know is the right question. I mean, the right answer to any question. Whatever you want to know, you could definitely find out. And then uh, it must be overwhelming to know that there's this many resources at cutting your fingertips here, right? I, w- I would say overwhelming, but also it's, I mean, it's exciting. I think that very recently I figured out how many resources are around and how to take advantage of them. And I've definitely been doing that since I've been here. Now, any advice for budding entrepreneurs who think that things are impossible? You're, it seems to you, I mean, from what I'm hearing is you're thinking pretty much anything's possible because there's all the resources are available. It's just a matter of you doing the work to kind of mine them. Yeah, I'm, I definitely say that any roadblock in your head probably isn't a roadblock. I just think try to find another way around it. You know, if you don't understand a very small problem, read around it, read about it. Um, you know, put down whatever, like if it's finance stuff, put down the finance stuff, go read a book on, I don't know, economics or like art. You'll get like a new idea and say, oh, right. let me try to approach this a different way. But the resources are definitely here at Georgia State if you reach out, talk to the right people and kind of leverage what's in front of you. So there's a lot of opportunity if you start looking for it. Absolutely. You have to look for it, but you have to be aggressive. <laughs> so now if somebody wanted to learn more about what you've got going on or wanted to maybe help or be part of the team, are you looking for more resources? Oh, people? I, absolutely. Always. Um, we do have a website, uh, oceanpay.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Jonathan Pinder, Instagram, um, John. And that's Ocean, O-S-H-U-N-P-A-Y. O- yes, sir. O-S-H-U-N-P-A-Y dot com. And they can find you if they Google that. That's yes, going to pop up. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. No problem. Thank you. What an exciting time for you, man. This is fantastic. You know, there's, there's so much going on in your world right now, and you're trying to focus on your studies. So you're you're juggling. you got a few irons in the fire, juggling some balls, yes? Yes, sir. All right. Well, please keep us posted. Let us know what's happening, and uh, we'll be pulling for you, man. I think this is marvelous what you're doing, and I, uh, I, I think we want to want to keep an eye on your story. We'll do. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, stay with us. We're going to visit with one more guest. Okay. We'll do. All right. Next up on this episode of GSU ENI Radio, we have with us Lee, the founder of Winter Circle and Meet and Innovate LLC, Mister Jonathan. Cornelius, how are you, man? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Well, Jonathan, before we get too far into things, tell us about Winter Circle. Uh, what are you doing for folks? Um, so Winter Circle is... Got to get close to that mic, man. I'm sorry. Um, Winter Circle is essentially a networking group for college students. Um, and the, essentially the whole idea is just to get students in front of like-minded students. Um, and we put professionals and industry successful people in front of them so they can ask questions. Um, and our slogan is connect, collaborate, and grow because the most important thing about college is meeting people. Um, and of course, talking to industry professionals and getting answers from them. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't ask questions, you don't get answers. So that's the whole purpose. Of so now circle. how'd you come up with that idea? Because that, um, it, it sounds obvious to old people like me and stone, but to young people, <laughs> they might think that the reason you're going to college is to make money or it's not to make connections, but 
to me, that's really what what's going to happen in here. The people you interact with, those are the people you're going to lean on later on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like you said, it's pretty much says in itself. But if you look at statistics of the amount of students who graduate without jobs, um, my goal, I really want to tackle underemployment. So underemployment, essentially graduating with a bachelor's degree um, and you come out and you're making twelve dollars an hour and you just spend thirty seven thousand dollars on tuition. It just doesn't add up. So Winter Circle allows you to meet those people that you need to meet. And 83% of jobs are not even advertised. So just seeing that um, going on a deed, you can't apply for a six-figure job. You have to have a connection, a stepping stone. Um, know somebody in the industry that can potentially hook you up with that good job. So now um, what made you the right person to kind of spearhead this effort? Um, Winter Circle really stemmed from failure in itself on my end. Um, I found myself struggling so much to meet professionals, make those professional connections. Um, I just felt my first year, first two years of college were just kind of pointless, just hanging out with friends, doing all the nonsense. But then I realized, let me start something that I can dearly be closely related to, and that is setting up a group where people can can, can get connected. So, so now here you are starting this group, and you're a student, and you don't maybe have a lot of connections. How did you kind of get those early groups going? Um, the early group started just from being in everybody's face. I tell everybody uh, networking starts with you getting over your insecurities or maybe being afraid to ask questions. Every single professional connection that I have right now was simply me just walking up to that person and saying, hey, what is it that you do? Um, one of my biggest references um, was an employee at Ralph Lauren. who's one of the executives over there. And I was at the valet company and I just saw him and I was like, hey, what do you do? Um, took his card, got LinkedIn connected, and then everything kind of rolled from that initial connection, just going up and asking questions. But you know how a lot of people go on social media sites, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, and then they connect with people and they think, oh, I'm connected with them. But in real life, they're not really connected. They're, you know, a follower, they like their stuff or whatever. How do you elevate it from being kind of superficially connected to kind of truly connected where, to me, a connection isn't a connection unless I can ask you to drive me to the airport and you'll drive me to the airport. That's a connection. <laughs> yeah. I love that criteria. That's, that's, not not that you like my post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a hundred percent. And that's exactly what I'm trying to spearhead and attack. I feel like LinkedIn is amazing if you're an established professional and you have a great re- resume, good references. But it's kind of pointless if you're just a student who just majors in, let's say, accounting and have no credibility behind you. Having um, intern, don't know anybody. But just because you connect with a CEO of a firm, he doesn't know who you are. You just click the button to connect with them. And that's where Winner Circle comes in. It says, come to this organization, come to our meetings, and actually have conversations so you're not just a connection, but you're more of a face-to-face rapport that you gain from what I'm doing, Winner Circle. And that answers your question. Right. So then, but part of being a good connection, there has to be something in it for me. Like, I know you now. You've sat next to me for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. So we're kind of a connection. I superficially know you. At some point, though, in order for me to want to help you or do something for you, there has to be something in it for me, right? There has to be some value exchange of some kind. Whether I see that, hey, you're a good guy, you're smart, you know what you're doing, I'll refer you to other people. There has to be something that kind of bets you to say that you're worth being in my network. So how do you help pull that off? Um, the value proposition is probably the, one of the most important things anybody can say to anyone. Um, and my value proposition to my students and what I want my students to say as well is, hey, this is my skill and this is what I can do. So what I do with Winter Circle is essentially I'm 
taking students and I'm putting them in front of professionals that will essentially help you in your career. So when I come to professionals, I'm coming to anyone who has a heart and that wants to see other students do better because it's too often as kids just go to classes, they just waste time and they graduate and then it's too late. So now I would see that this is a challenge uh, for everybody, but I think minority uh, students would have uh, even harder kind of challenge in this. Do you find that to be so? 110%. I, I agree with you. And that's why I think it's awesome that um, me and my team, because it's all we're all African-Americans on the team, um, and it's awesome that we're doing this because one of uh, my members came up to me and said, so cool seeing somebody that looks like me kickstart something like this because there's not enough especially in corporate leadership there's not enough of uh, blacks uh, blacks in positions of leadership to run companies if you look at statistics we're always on the back end and majority is just one color and, and we're skewed to the right so what i want to do is i want to say hey i know the statistics say that we're not built for this but if you put your mind to it and connect with the right people we can get you to the top and then so some of these activities are these meetings right yes so they're face-to-face meetings that yes. how often do they happen um so winter circle we meet every last friday of every month um and we meet in i rent a loft in uh, west midtown it's a great cool place um students come out we eat we network we talk we listen to speakers but every last friday um we're pushing and we want new students there every single time so now did you you grew, went to georgia state or you go to georgia state i'm currently a georgia state student so now this is something you're doing on top of school on top of school yes so then um, is there a web presence? So like, are you a web person too? Or how, how are you kind of getting the word out other than these in-person meetups? Um, so I take the Gary V solution where he says every single day you're posting content, you're blasting it. So I'm on Instagram uh, via LinkedIn. I'm utilizing Handshake. I'm face-to-face. Every single time I come to campus, I make it my intention to talk to at least three people that are brand new I have not talked with, and I'm telling you to come to Winter Circle. So pretty much any channel that I can use to push myself, I'm utilizing it. And then what's your ultimate goal with this? Um, you, Of course, you know TED Talk. Um, but my idea for Winter Circle is to essentially, I love TED Talk's motto, is to be a platform that we promote minority students. Um, all are welcome, but we specifically want to push that, hey, any, any color, anybody can speak. But we want to be a platform that allows um, speakers to come speak to these students, students to, like I said, collaborate, connect, and grow with each other. So 10 years down the road, I want to see us, um, Georgia State giving us calls and saying, hey, run the conference, UGA, Georgia Tech, um, UCLA, um, all over the country. So now walk a person that's going to their first winter circle meetup. What is, what's, what can they expect? What's going to happen? For as soon as you get in the door, we're greeting you. Um, every meeting starts off with me introducing what the brand is, uh, what our slogan is. Um, I introduce a speaker. I'll, I'll play a video kind of like what the topic is about. Um, then I allow you to network, mingle, talk to the other students here. The professional comes up, speaks to you, do a quick Q&A. Um, then every single la- at the end of every event, we have a toast um, and we take some sparkling cider. We just hold it up in champagne glasses and we go around the whole room, whether it's five students or 25 students. And every single student says like what they're proud of. And then we salute to that. And what's an example of some of the things that people say they're proud of? Some crazy stuff. Like we have a lot of entrepreneurs there. Some people um, getting their LLC done. Um, some people getting new full time jobs. Um just whatever your hustle is and you're just proud of it, we want you to hold that glass up and say, hey, I did this. And that's what Winter Circle is all about, being a winner. And then, you know, there's a fine line between networking and not working. And some people think that uh, networking is just being on these platforms and just kind of 
going through the, yeah. the scrolling down and clicking on things. But this seems like you're trying to take it to another level to really provide value and give people a platform to really make these kind of introductions and these relationships that are going to help them grow and help their career grow and help whatever that hustle is they're working on kind of expand. So then that mission seems more challenging because you're asking more of the participants. Has that been the case? Is it yeah. you are asking more of them to yeah. than to just put a heart next to something, right? Yeah, yeah. College students are I will <laughs> the hardest market to deal with because uh, college students want to see establishment before they see the beginning stages. So what I tell every single student is you have to offer something of value. So when you come into Winter Circle, it's, like you said, it's not just the heart. Um, we're actually t- giving you the stepping stones to get to where you want to be. Because we have too many students who say, I want to be a CEO, I want to be a CFO. Right, and, and my, then they go home yeah. and then they're playing video games and waiting for the phone to ring. Exactly. And it, it, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work. work like that. It doesn't. Know? It doesn't. It doesn't. Every single job internship I've ever gotten was because I went to that office and I sat down and impressed them. You're not impressive if you have a vision and you sit down and play video games all night and you don't have any work ethic. You just don't wake up a CEO. It doesn't work like that. Right. So is that a hard message for you to convey to people or are people hungry for that kind of tough love? It's it's actually crazy. You would think more people would, would latch on to this concept, but I, I found so much kickback because it's crazy that, and let's be honest, that I have to convince you to do something with your life. It's You can't want it more than the person. And I feel like a lot of times I want it more than they want. It. And that's so it's a difficult. It's hard, slip. right? Yeah, it is. Slippery slope. So then how do you kind of push through that? How do you kind of... Is it possible? Is Can you do this? Or is this something that it's going to take that individual to say, you know what? I'm tired of just sitting here on the couch eating Cheetos and playing video games. I'm yeah. going to get off my butt. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to risk, you know, being yeah. embarrassed or it not working out yeah. and possibly failing Yes. in order for this future that I believe can happen if I bust my butt a little bit. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I, I take the model of I'm going to go to 100 people and honestly, I'll probably get 10 of them. Um, and 10 of those people will be vulnerable and they'll allow themselves to fail because most VC guys, when you're invest getting money, they essentially ask you how many times have you failed? So I had one VC guy ask me just in the beginning conversation, he was like, have you, have you failed? So essentially he wanted to see that I've started three different concepts and failed just so I can take failure, take it on the chin and keep moving. But a lot of these students are afraid of that. And I'm just trying to tell you, not convince you, but just show you that failure is a part of this process. That's the only way you become successful. Right. There's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. So yes, that yes. they're not, you don't avoid obstacles. They're just part of the deal. Yeah. You are going to fail. Things are going to yes. be hard. And that's just part of it. You got to just power through. Yeah. One of my, um, because t- the circle came around to me when we were doing my toast. And my toast was, uh, I just put a toast to myself that I failed seven times this week and I got back up. That's it. Part of the game. Keep moving forward. Yeah. So uh, what do you need more of right now? How can we help? What I need right now is just um, the presence of students. Um, right now, that's like the money part. Like I'm solely, I'm pushing all the funds into it. Um, but I'm looking just to get more students in the seats because right now we're trying to grow the concept. We're trying to grow the Instagram. We're trying to grow the website. Um, so what I need is students. Um, Winter Circle grows with students. That's what I need. So you need student entrepreneur and entrepreneur is a big word and a broad word that can mean a lot of different things. So it doesn't have to be this whole startup like the other Jonathan was doing a fintech thing. It could be a side hustle. Yes, it could be right? anything that um, that you yearn for and you're hungry for. And I say like this, anything that you were willing to wake up and not get paid for, come to Winter Circle. 
Because if you're willing to not get the, the financial gain and you just love that concept, of course you want money, but just that ambition, I want you there. All right. If somebody wanted to learn more, what are the coordinates to get involved? Um, go to uh, wintercircle.atl, which is our Instagram. Um, you can go to my Instagram, which is Jonathan D. Cornelius. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, Jonathan Cornelius. Um, my email is winnersinnovate2 at gmail.com. Um, any questions, any inquiries, please get in contact with me. I want to see you. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We'll see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.